coming up on this episode of AARP, The Perfect Scam. It's beyond my my wildest dreams how anybody could just take advantage of, of people, sweet people, but they're out there. Welcome back to AARP, The Perfect Scam, and our two-part episode about Valerie in Florida. If you haven't listened to part one of Valerie's story, do that now. I'm Will Johnson, and I'm here with the AARP Fraud Watch Network Ambassador, Frank Abagnale. Frank. Great to be here. Good to have you here. Uh, you know, after 42 years with the FBI, it's at 42 now, yeah. right? I feel like you've more than made up for any harm you might have caused. I appreciate that. I'm, I, I would assume you feel the same way. Uh, it's still a it's it's still a burden because unfortunately there are people who uh, never let you forget what you did. You have to deal with a lot of comments. You have to deal with a lot of emails that people write and blaming you for something you did 50 years ago. Uh, but I think as long as in your own mind you know what you've done with your life and what you're trying to do with your life, uh, you just keep down that that road. There's always going to be you know haters ha- love to hate so. There's always going to be people who uh, resent resent you for what you did, even though it was 50 years ago and I was a teenager. Uh, so it's still it's still somewhat of a burden that you live with and have to carry. But you understand that you know you did that, and that's a, something you just have to live with the rest of your life. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about your motivation was survival to start, right? Uh, and it was a lot of big banking institutions. Uh, it wasn't necessarily, and, and it started to enter your mind along the right. way. Well, maybe this is somebody who works there that might. Right. You know, that works at a bank and maybe I'm getting them in trouble. Um, exactly. Yeah. Any big scams, frauds, security issues you're working on you can share with us today uh, before no, we know, get back to Valerie's story? Uh, the, the newest scam going on right now is where uh, they get a hold of your credit card number. And then the next thing you know, you get a statement on your credit card and it says that there's a charge from XYZ company of $100 on your credit card. So you think to yourself, well, I don't know anything about an XYZ company. So you call the credit card company, and the credit card company tells you uh, you'll have to call the merchant who posted that charge. Mm -hmm. And either they usually put their phone number next to the charge on your statement or or the company will tell you, the credit card company will tell you, this is the number we have for them. Right. Then when you call them, they go, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Maybe there was a mistake. But in order for me to look into this, I'll need some background information on you. What's your social security number? Uh, what's your bank account numbers? What's your date of birth? And it's really a matter of getting all that information from you just to scam you again. And what they do is they set themselves up as a legitimate merchant, which is not difficult to do. I can go to MasterCard, Visa, Tomorrow, American Express, set myself up as a merchant on the Internet or whatever where I can accept their credit cards uh, to whatever I'm selling. Maybe I'm selling blocks over the Internet, and I, I want to get be able to people to charge on the Internet. So they set themselves up as merchants, and then they they do that. But the whole purpose of it is to get information from you. Well, so first of all, we have a colleague we're going to hear from in one of our upcoming episodes. This happened to her. Uh, But uh, I appreciate you bringing it up because it is one that's out there. You just look at your bank account or you look at your information. You call that number. Uh, And then I have a confession. So I've been really careful since we started doing this show. (laughs) I I live my life in fear, uh, basically. Actually, I want to talk about that at some point, about how to sort of stay sane and also be very suspicious of everything. Uh, But so I had a, a charge, an ongoing charge on my credit card, and I called... You know what I did? I, I looked up the company, very legitimate, well-known national company. I looked them up online and went to their website. 
I think I did things right here. Right. I feel like this is stopping and verifying to some extent. And I had an online chat with them, and I said, well, you know, there's these charges. And they said, they said well, to look into this, we need to know your banking information. So I provided that on the chat. I started to say, you know what, I'm not going to do this right now. I'm not going to do it. And they, they said, you know, we do, we do this every day all the time. So I provided some check information online, and, I, and I'm still feeling guilty about that. Uh, eventually, they said, we don't have any charges from our from our account there. So it was somebody else doing this under right. their name. Right. So maybe I did the right thing. I don't know. I feel like this no, online chat right. was Again, a little... The, the catch there would have been that you looked up to make sure this was, in right. fact, a legitimate company before you ever made that phone call. All right. I feel better then. Yeah. Thank you for letting me make that confession. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) All right. So look out for that one, folks. In the meantime, we are now going to return to the story of Valerie. You'll recall last week her her daughters were uh, very concerned about what was going on. They were paying visits to their 92-year-old mother in Florida, getting a picture of how much money she was mailing off to scammers. They also were realizing that their mother wasn't sharing much information. Allison, known as Baba by her sisters living in Maine, and Abby in New York decided, here's what they did, they decided that a surveillance camera was the only way to get a real picture of what was going on when they were not around. We went to um, Best Buy and we got a spy camera and we um, set it up and were able to, like when we had to leave, we were able to listen to the conversations that she would have with the scammers. I mean, I'd watch it from the time I woke up in the morning until the time... You know, she would go to bed at night. It must have been an odd feeling to go that far. It was a very odd feeling to go that far, and I felt like a criminal almost doing it, but I felt like we really didn't have a choice. And they would call her constantly, like five, six, seven times a day, all night, sometimes at 12 at night, um, telling her that they they'd keep her on the phone for a long time, and they'd tell her that they loved her, and they would, you know, they got really familiar with her. I couldn't really exactly hear what they were saying to her because I could just hear her responses most of the time. At one point, she talked to them, or a couple of times, she would say, my daughters are telling me that this is one big scam. You're scamming me horribly, and I, you have to stop. I can't give you any more money. And by the end of the phone call, it, she'd be like, okay, okay, I will, I will, I love you, bye. She was so anxious all the time, and she would go either sit on the couch, like just like looking really nervous, and upset all the time. To watch that must have been just bizarre. It was bizarre. It was horrible. The other thing that Baba caught on the um, camera, which Allison and I were able to track down and stop, is she was, they told her to go to a quickie loan place. And um, the hour and a half drive away. Yeah, and the hour and a half drive away, some remote place in Florida. She, Allison heard, overheard the name of it, kind of, and so then we, we went on the Internet and we researched it and we called all the places that sounded like that and we got through and we talked to one of them and we're like, if you let this loan go through, you're going to be in so much trouble. We're going to be all, you know, it's illegal. She's being scammed. And um, they were like, got us on the phone with the manager and we had to talk about it again. And then finally, you know, they agreed to stop it. And she had to drive all the way there and find out. You know, that she wasn't going to get it. And I heard the phone conversation when she got back from that with a scammer because I called her and, you know, did you get the money? And she's like, no, they wouldn't give it to me. And they're like, well, go back and try again. And she's like, no, I'm not driving all, all the way over there. That almost killed me. I was not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. In Rhode Island, Valerie's daughter Kitty agrees the camera exposed how ugly things were getting. It did kind of probably give us an idea of how what we're dealing with and how how hard this is going to be to break. In the meantime, Allison in Maine, spending her days watching her mother and hearing at least one side of the conversation, 
The sisters are also doing what they could to track down the scammers on their own. Abby. The incoming calls, a lot of the incoming calls um, were zero, 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 zero. But I have three numbers that were incoming calls. So I, I called the ones that she called to and the ones that called her and people answered. Like I called two of them and they answered the phone and they started soliciting me. We said stuff like, you know, we're on to you. <laughs> At what point did your mom know what was going on was a scam? Did she ever completely get through to that? I don't think so. I mean, I think, you know, sometimes she'd be like, oh, yeah, I was being scammed. But I don't think she totally, totally believed it was. How much money in total do you think she sent off? I would say close to 100000 Eventually, you tried to reach out to authorities or along the way you did. Tell us about that and, and what help you did or did not get. Well, we went to the sheriff's department in Venice first, and they, um, first of all, they said there's nothing they can do um, because, you know, she has to claim that she's a victim and she's not claiming it, so they can't really do anything. We called all the other agencies because we were got recommended to other things as well, you know, call these, like, non-for-profit things, but, you know, people wouldn't call us back, or there, there just wasn't any readily available things that, I mean, unless, like, they one called mom and tried to talk to her, but she's not listening to us, she's not listening to anybody. Believe it or not, there's another weird turn to this story. From what Abby and Allison are able to get out of their mother, it appears that at some point, the scammers, at least one of them, possibly came to her in person, this time not with a briefcase full of prizes and promises, but as an FBI agent. And when my mother was not, you know, under, like kind of doubting that it might be, you know, true that, you know, it, she was kind of thinking possibly it was a scam, it sounded like to me when she told me it was someone came there who was an FBI agent, she said, and told her that it wasn't a scam, and she believed them. And that seems like completely crazy, but I think, yeah, she was so far, like she wanted to believe it so much. Valerie's daughter Kitty says her visit in January was shocking to see her mother doing so poorly. But then she seems to start to improve. Now in March, when I went down alone, that's when, you know, she had reached a realization that this may not be what she thinks it is. And I kept saying, I, I sat with her and I said, Mom, you're alive. You can come back from this. It's only money. You know, uh, you have your health. By the end of that wonderful visit, she was herself. Her health was better. I mean, she wasn't jumping up and down, but she was a lot more herself. She was driving. She had energy. We, we'd go to the beach. We would do things. We went shopping. You know, she was back to her old self. So, uh, you know, I thought by the time I left in March, she was going to... She was going to bounce back. She was going to be fine. I, I, I was clear that she was she's over the hump. And don't worry about a thing. You know, you can live your life. Sadly, though, Valerie seems to give out soon after Kitty's visit. My sister sent out a video of her basically bed, you know, uh, bed, bed bound. You know, she just couldn't move. When I saw that video, I was like, who's that old man? She had no hair. She couldn't, you know, walk. And, I, and then I realized it was my mother. I, I you know... And it just, it was like, I don't know what happened. So here's this woman who 12 months ago, less than a year ago, was healthy, happy, doing well, going out with friends. She was part of a book club. And her daughters are now seeing her completely different. She, she's 
not going out, she is not seeing friends, she's not doing the book club, things have changed dramatically for Valerie. Kitty has no doubt in her mind that the scam is to blame for her mother's sudden decline. It killed her. It killed her. She had no other, she, had, she was not sick. She had no other physical, um, you know, issues. It, I, I always joked and said, you're in better shape than I am because I have hip issues. There was something about this psychological torment that just yeah. got inside her and, and, mm. and, and wouldn't let go. Right. Yeah. Stress does kill you. It's, it's a, that's no secret. <laughs> and, you know, she was under a lot of stress, and I think the stress really did start when the prize never came. Where's that prize? You promised me it was going to come. It was supposed to come last month. What about, oh, it's going to come this month. Oh, you got to pay more. Well, where's that prize? It's supposed to come. And this probably went on for six months. Oh, now you've got to pay this. It's, it's really, they killed my mother. I mean, they, plain and simple. I, I have no, no doubt in my mind. If you had any ability to say something to the guy or people on the other end of that phone line, what, what would uh, that be? <laughs> I mean, you know, burn in hell. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what sort of human being could ever do that. They're just monsters. It's just, it's beyond my wildest dreams how anybody could just take advantage of, of people, sweet people, that they tell over and over, I love you. You know, I, I don't know what sort of, but they're out there. They're out there and they're, they're, they're out there plenty of, in droves. And your mother, from what I've learned this afternoon and from reading your story, her story is, sounds like a remarkable woman. I'm sorry, the last chapter had to be like that. Um, I know. Yeah. It's, Really, yeah. I mean, the only thing, you know, hopefully this will avoid somebody else, you know, from getting it. Yeah. Because it is so sad. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, she was a fabulous. She was talented. She was creative. She was so many other things. And to, to treat her like, you know, some sort of cash cow, you know, is just just unimaginable, you know? Was she was she wiped out by the scammer? She would have been, because they were talking about taking having her go into the trust, and she's like, no, no, I'm not going into the trust. And the scammer, you, you said, in terms of talking to investigators or the sheriff's office, no one was able to really give you a lot of help. No one tried. No one even called the scammers. I gave them the phone numbers. I gave everybody the phone numbers. You know, I nobody except Allison and I tried to track these people down and figure out who they were. And they're doing it to more people right now, I'm sure, you know? And I, I mean, we have addresses, we have phone numbers, we have so much that could be used to try to figure out the scam and nobody was interested. It sounds like you all did, between all of you, you did probably as much as anyone could have done. Mm. Um, but I'm sure that still, it, it's hard to think about. And do you ever wonder, like, what more you could have done? What we could have done, been down there with her all the time. I think. Yeah. That's what we could have done. That we weren't. Yeah. But literally putting your life on hold to yeah, to just putting your life on hold. Yeah. I'm struck by going through the timeline how this started in September. And she died the following year. I know. Thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you. Oh, really, it was good. So, Frank, certainly there's no hard evidence that 
we can prove or, or disprove that that she died because of these scammers. But Kitty makes a pretty good point that the stress and all that was going on in her life might have might have. Well, she believes it, it did her in. Well, and I believe it, too. I believe Kitty's right that that drained uh, the life out of her. You know, um, uh, on Monday night, on behalf of the FBI, I spoke to all the sheriffs in South Carolina at their annual association meeting. There are probably 47 county sheriffs there. And when I went to Q&A in the presentation, the first question was, what can we do about these people that are out of the country scamming and defrauding people, and they're yet they're in Jamaica, Russia, China? And I had to say to them, absolutely nothing. You know, we're kind of powerless. The fact that crime now is so global and the fact that communications like telephones and internets allow you to commit these crimes from millions of miles away um, makes it almost impossible. And then there is the, the concept that there's so much of it that as a law enforcement side, you then have to decide, who do I go after? Do I go after the guy scamming somebody out of $100,000? Or do I go after the gang that's scamming millions of dollars? So I think there's some there are some efforts going on. So I spoke uh, a few months ago for the uh, Association of State Attorney Generals. They have a fellowship program they started, and twice a year, they bring attorney generals in from countries all over the world. They come for five days to Washington, D.C. I made a presentation to them. They were from Brazil, France, Australia. And the purpose of that is they're trying to say, if I'm the attorney general in Maryland— and I have this scam in Jamaica, who do I call? So if I want to get involved and I want to do something about this, what's my connection in Jamaica? Who am I able to speak to? So it allows these people to meet each other, form a relationship, uh, get to know each other, network together. So when that comes up, now I know the attorney general in Brazil because I met him at this fellowship program, and I can call him and say, look, this is going on. We know it's coming out of Jamaica. Can you at least look into this? So I think there's a little more of that going on. The other thing I'd say is remember that she was just one of many victims. They don't work just one case and then devote all their time to just Kitty's mom. There were hundreds of Kitty's moms they were working on at the same time. And yes, it's a scripted, this is entirely scripted. They learn to do this. They follow the script. They don't ad lib. They follow a script. So when you start to say, you know, I think I'm being scammed. People tell me you're scamming me. Um, and they start to get They jump suspicious. down to the script where they need to. Right. Yeah. They jump down to the script, call their associate in the U.S., mm -hmm. tell them to go, who's done it several times, poses the FBI agent, poses the policeman right. to go confirm this. So With that's all part of the, these people all work together and part of the scam. And finally, you know, as I've you heard me mention many times, anybody can be scammed, including myself. There's nothing to be ashamed of if you're scammed. Anybody can be scammed. The smartest people on Wall Street, the smartest investment bankers have been scammed. So if you're scammed, the point is to not let it happen to somebody else. Tell somebody, share that with somebody. And that's so great that these ladies came forward to tell us this so other people can actually hear the story of someone who's really been victimized and has gone to the extent to where it really cost them their life, not just their uh, money, and that's that's just totally a shame. I was so struck by that uh, the comment from this, the daughters about how they were saying. I mean, and this is certainly common. I, I would guess 
uh, they were saying, I love you. And she was saying that back. They could hear at least hear her side of that conversation. Yeah, because they 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 want to form a relationship. It's not just a business transaction. You won the publisher's sweep, clearinghouse sweepstakes. It's more about getting to know you and then becoming your friend and then saying, oh, you know, we really care about you. We have a personal interest in you. And it's amazing to me that you, you want to say to people, you've never met these people. You don't really know who they are. So I don't know why you're falling for this spell or coming under the spell from them. But you can see where people, again, that are alone uh, sometimes end up uh, falling for these things. And these people know how to manipulate people. This is what they do for a living. They must take very, like, I mean, seriously, take right. very careful notes about each person they talk to so they can come back again each and person. again. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's all, you know, all done a playbook, all done as a, to them as the way they do it. And again... When you say, well, how can people like this do this? Yes, it's horrible. But keep in mind that the whole purpose of the phone and the Internet is there is no emotion involved. They've never met the person. They don't know the person. They're speaking to an instrument or they're on a computer. And this makes it a lot easier for the criminal side of it who looks at it like, I don't know this person from Adam. I don't know really what they look like, who they are. There's no emotional involvement where maybe eventually the person goes, you know, I really feel bad about scamming this person. That's gone because it's not like in the old days where for a con to work had to be one-on-one. -on -one. I had to be conning you. So I may have gotten into a emotional relationship with you as you became a friend of mine. I said, you know, I really hate doing this. This guy's a really nice guy. He's a decent guy. That's all gone because of the internet and communications. Our show is not really about how to inform or advise family members to go about, uh, or, or at least one method, could be surveilling a family member, uh, and I don't know if I really would want to go there, but they, they did that, and they felt like it was a necessary step in order to know just how deep their mother was in this scam. And, and, I, and I felt that they did the right thing. I know that would be very hard to do, yeah. but I would not hesitate a moment to go hire a private investigator or somebody okay. to find something out if I thought one of my family members was being scammed and they, they wouldn't, I couldn't convince them that they were. I'd, I'd want to bring evidence to, that I could substantiate that, that they were. Abby, the, the daughter in New York, talks about having addresses and phone numbers, and there was not much they could do about that. You talked about talking to this uh, sheriff's group of sheriffs, right. Uh, the phone numbers and addresses are probably not going to ever do anybody any good. No, and, and, and it is very frustrating to law enforcement. They hear these stories all the time, but they realize, here I am, a sheriff in South Carolina. These people are in Jamaica. What can I do? You know, uh, so even if I get on a plane and go to Jamaica, uh, I'm not going to be able to arrest them. And then I have to try to convince the authorities over there to do so. It's a very frustrating thing. And this is why, as you've heard me say before, you cannot rely on the police. You cannot rely on the government. You cannot rely on your bank. You have to be a little smarter today, a little wiser today than you did 50 years ago. You have to think these things through and seek advice from someone you trust if you think something is going wrong or someone's trying to scam you out of your money. If the bad guys are the ones using technology to get away with crime and getting better at it, doesn't law enforcement have to use technology to fight it back? Yeah, and we do. They do use a lot of technology to fight back. But like this, the phone calls, you know, we do a lot of things where we allow people to buy blocks of numbers. We allow people to have phones that you can't really trace where they're coming from, throwaway phones. Right. So we as an establishment, as we basically allow some of these things to occur because we're not controlling uh, those things. Right. And as sophisticated as some forms of technology may be for scammers, it also comes back just to being a good con man sometimes. 
being a good comment. And it comes back to, like I said, when, you know, there's when you see those red flags, if you could just learn to say to yourself, you know, the red flags are just two. So I'm either going to at some point ask you to send me money. One. That's one. Right. right. Or two is going to be I'm going to ask you information. What's your social security number? That's what's two. your bank account number? What's your debit? Right. And if you just say to yourself, okay, the minute that happens, yeah. I'm hanging up the phone. Stamp that on your, yeah, on your exactly, hand or something. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Great advice. Uh, I want to uh, thank the, the daughters who, who spoke, Valerie's daughters, for telling us their story. They, in fact, reached out to us after they heard an earlier episode that we did and wanted to tell the story. Obviously, very emotional and uh, difficult to hear, but an important one for, I think, our audience. Absolutely. All right. AARP Fraud, the AARP Fraud Watch Network Ambassador, Frank Abagnale. Thanks. Great talk to, to you again next thank week. You. If you or someone you know has been a victim of a scam, please call AARP's Fraud Watch Network helpline at 877-908-3360. Again, that's 877-908-3360. For AARP, The Perfect Scam, I'm Will Johnson. Join us again next week. Are you 55 plus? There are many ways your community could use your help. As an AmeriCorps Seniors Volunteer, you can put your skills to work for the causes you care about, whether that's by becoming a companion for an older adult or a foster grandparent for a child, tutoring students, joining a disaster response effort, or fulfilling another interest. Choose how, where, and when you want to volunteer, starting at just a few hours a month. This is your moment to make a positive impact on your community and get back so much more in return. Visit AmeriCorps.gov slash your moment today.